Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 202. I am so happy that you're here today. I hope you're having a great summer. We are still in our post-ISTE season. I had a great time at ISTE a few weeks back. I'm still feeling a little bit under the weather if you hear the voice going on, but I am so thrilled to have an amazing guest on today who's the Director of Technology in Philadelphia. We hit it off, had a great interview all about her session, and today she and I are gonna talk all about that transition that so many instructional coaches are making to go from classroom coaching into tech directing. A great show that uh, I hope you guys enjoy. Hope you have a chance to stay to the end. I am looking forward to it. But before we get into that interview, how are you? There are so many new things that are happening. I've been checking out all the great Microsoft updates, all the great Google updates, the Flipgrid updates. If there's anything that is interesting you out there, please do me a favor. Head on over to Ask the Tech Coach. Find us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. Let me know what you're interested in. Over on our Instructional Coaches Facebook group, we have almost 650 different instructional coaches. We're going to be doing so many things with them over the summertime. We've got live events. We've got online courses. Our newsletter is getting kicked up. We're going to be doing more video. All of this is because after the last year and a half of being in grad school, I am almost finished. Uh, I finished off what's called my admin cert, my 092 in Connecticut, if you will, back in April. Looking forward to getting the paperwork process for all of that. At the end of August, I'm finishing off what's called our six-year degree, which is all those continuing education credits. And, you know, honestly, with everything we've been doing here on Ask the Tech Coach, I've been kind of holding back. No, it doesn't feel like it sometimes, but I've been kind of holding back because simply of time. But starting in September, we are really going to be focusing on making sure that Ask the Tech Coach is providing you with the skills you need, with the instructions you need, with the tech tutorials you need, and really being that place where you can come to ask questions, to get answers, and to have an amazing community. So I hope you have a chance to check out everything over on Ask the Tech Coach today, this week. We've been revamping the website over the last few weeks. We're going to continue doing that. We're going to be adding additional video components now that I'm not doing countless term papers and research papers at school. There's a lot of great things, but you know what? I want to make sure that I'm giving you exactly what you need as an instructional coach. I know many of you out there are brand new and excited. Welcome. Some of you might even be listening to this show for the first time. 
I'm excited about that. Welcome to the network. It's great to have you. We are all here to help each other. We're all here to support each other. And we're all here to make sure that we're moving forward in our careers, in our lives, and supporting each other as we go through. And that's why I am so excited that you're here. And that's why I'm so excited about my interview today. Let's get into it today. Let's get into our interview process. My guest today is the Director of Technology and Innovation at Cristo Ray Philadelphia High School in North Philadelphia, my old stomping grounds. I want to bring on today Miss Alyssa DeVita. Alyssa, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Hi, good morning. Thanks for, for having me on, Jeff. I am honored to be here. I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing well. It's been a wonderful summer. So many things are happening. We just celebrated two hundred episodes of ask the tech coach and you know what it's been an amazing summer we've got a lot of great things going on but today we are here to look ahead today we're here to help coaches maybe some new coaches maybe some veteran coaches start to think ahead about their future tell us a little bit about yourself what are things like down in philadelphia man i miss those cheese sticks (laughs) <laughs> the cheesesteaks are really great. Things in Philadelphia are uh, going really well. Uh, I am a director of technology, formerly a technology integration coach and associate director of EdTech. So this past school year, the uh, 21-22 school year, was my first year in uh, a full-time 12-month leadership, total leadership position. I had moved from a central office associate director position to a single school being a tech director. And we are in the full swing of our summer months. I think people think for uh, schools that summertime is a downtime and man, is it the opposite. Uh, this is our total prep time of Chromebooks, accounts, user management, you name it. So we're in the thick of that right now but it's all to make the school year go really great now your position formerly was of an instructional coach correct correct and now you are uh, how would you say you're in charge of the whole thing you're in charge of your building i know philadelphia is pretty large um give us the landscape of what your district looks like and where you fit into things Great. So previously, um, I was a technology integration coach, and that was just the name we called for instructional coaching. Um, So tech integration coach K-12 in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, which covers five counties of schools in southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, I served, I was a tech coach for years in the the district, uh, kind of at the central office level. So I, at one point, covered 120 schools. My lowest ratio was one to 43 schools at that time. I know it felt like a dream after the 120, but it's really, really, really tricky to be in such a large scale. Um, And then I served as associate director in that same department uh, with a focus on ed tech. So I kind of bridged the gap. Now I'm at Cristo Rey Philadelphia High School. We are a private uh, Catholic school for all faiths in North Philadelphia, serving a total Title I population. Um, Really interesting, our school, our students attend academic classes four days per week and then work a job, literally work a job with a Philadelphia-based partner um, one day a week to supplement their tuition and to make a college prep program really, really affordable uh, for our North Philadelphia community here. So it's a bit of a gem and I serve as Director of Technology, which was a, a big, a big deal uh, for me to move from that kind of instructional coach to school building leadership uh, position. I oversee an, uh, a tech team 
uh, and really our IT team is outsourced. They are here part-time. So I kind of oversee and manage that piece of it. When they are not here, it's just me. Um, as instructional coaches may know, you get a lot of those IT type questions. I do field quite a bit of that because I am the person in the room. I also uh, work on strategic planning around tech. Uh, and our future in our building, uh, STEM and the like. Uh, and I coach teachers, that's a big part of it too. And that was kind of one of the appeals and we can chat about this of me joining this Christo Ray team uh, was that I had a coaching background and that's something that they didn't have and kind of the changing landscape that we see kind of in the tech leadership area. Today, we're gonna to be talking all about that transition that an instructional coach can make into being a building leader, district leader. This is actually gonna be a follow-up conversation to a show, honestly, Alyssa, that we did a few months ago that was really, really popular where we talked about you know resumes and, and, and becoming an administration. And, and I, I'm really happy that you're here today and talking about this journey. You know, It's something that's very personal for so many. Uh, myself, I just uh, finished off my administration degree. And, you know, I've got my eyes set in, in front of me. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, talk to us a little bit about that journey. What was your background to get into ed tech? And what has that transition been from being more curricular focused? Not that a technology director isn't curricular focused, but you are now in charge of the infrastructure. You are now in charge of STEM. I mean, there is a, a switch in there somewhere. So how did you kind of get to where you are and, and what training or what skills did you need to pick up to say, I can go from being maybe a classroom teacher to in charge of wires and Wi-Fi and switches? Yes. So I call myself kind of an unlikely tech director. Um, if you had asked me when I started my ed career in education, if this is where I'd be, I'd be like, you are absolutely nuts. Um, I started in the classroom at middle school, um, English and history, and I loved it. I loved my time in the classroom. Um, I love that I get to work with students in my building now to keep me kind of grounded to that piece. Uh, but I started in the classroom as English and history. Um, I was the first teacher in my building to get a set of iPads. And I think that's kind of a, a similar thing when I talk to other technology and instructional coaches, we all have like that little similar, we might've been the person to do a pilot program. So I was the first person to have that. I was the first person to have the smart board. I was the first person to manage those iPads and that became Chromebooks and so on. So in my time, I had amassed some of these skills. I had worked in a small private school, one, one class per grade. So everybody kind of does everything. And technology kind of became part of that. Managing the technology in my building became a part of that. And specifically training other teachers in my building. My principal recognized that that was going really well and started sending me to other schools in the area saying like, hey, I have a classroom teacher who's really great at helping other teachers implement technology in their classroom. So she was really instrumental in getting me to put myself out there and go to these other schools. Uh, that led to a tech coaching position um, at the district level for the archdiocese, um, where I did that in that multi-school format, uh, just high volume and, uh, and served as associate director. So I made that transition from coach to associate director, literally by being the lead on our team 
Um, we wound up with three coaches in total. Um, I was the head of that team. I helped work with our outside partners and foundations to get grant money or implement new programs. So I slowly kind of along the way just picked up these little tasks. Transitioning from that district to my school this year at Christo Ray, um, yeah, the, the IT piece is the piece that's brand new to me. And I've always been in every um, interview, at every stage of the game here, I was very transparent of, I don't have an IT background. Um, my master's is in ed leadership. I also have a principal certification. I knew that forming and being a part of leadership in a school community was something that was valuable to me. Um, so I built my skill base there rather than in just the IT piece of it. Um, and at the end of the day, I have a really fantastic uh, team of technicians uh, that we outsource, but we work really, really closely with. And it's my job to make sure that they are doing what they need to be doing, having those meetings. So I really serve as that leadership capacity. Um, and I think coach is something very similar to when I was a coach. Um, I'm that buffer person. Um, so I help take really technical talk about switches and Wi-Fi and things that aren't working and distill it for our other academic leadership um, and our teachers so that they understand when something doesn't work, it's not personal. Um, and. And I can also conversely take a teacher request that may be very broad and convert it to what they actually mean in terms of IT speak. Wow, that is an amazing story. Um, that's an inspiring story. I will tell you that just, just listening to all that, that was, that's very inspiring. I, I wanna back up a couple seconds here. You said that you were an instructional coach for 90 some built like what was that number again like that was just an how does that work i mean we've we've talked to, to coaches here who like turned coaching into call center and then we've mm -hmm. talked to coaches who have one building and it's 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 wonderful yeah. and there's challenges for both absolutely um, briefly talk to us a little bit about this role like you you, you couldn't have run 7500 buildings right like how did all that work <laughs> so uh it was about 120 ish oh, uh, at that time just 120 <laughs> just 120 um and there's, so, there's 180 days in the school year right <laughs> correct okay so really uh, that's a really important thing uh to note there there's a limited amount of time in the school building and this was the very first year that this kind of position uh existed and i think anytime a school or district adds in instructional coaching or tech coaching positions you have to do a little positioning for a little while you have to get under people to understand what it is that you actually do yep um you're not tier one tech support though a lot of times we kind of do tier one tech support because we just want to help people yep um so it, so part of that first year was getting people to understand what it actually is that a tech coach does um, or an instructional coach does what those strengths are second uh, i spent a lot of time starting with the schools and starting with the teachers who wanted to be helped who wanted to sort that out so i had out of those 120 schools i think i visited probably 90 and the reason i didn't get to the other ones because they said mm, no thank you we're not there yet um so i think and because it wasn't a mandate <laughs> i was not a mandated in um I could say, all right, you know what, let me start with the teachers. And I think whether you have one building or you have a million buildings, starting with the people who are invested in that um, is really important. 
You start with, a, even if you're a single building, start with a teacher who's like, yes, I buy into this. Um, they buy in, they spread the word. And that's really how uh, we kind of went from, and as we added coaches to our team, it made it easier for the following coaches to go in be like, I work with Alyssa. And then they had a foot in the door. Um, and by the end, we did that. We also held a lot of kind of elementary wide um, events where we brought people to us sometimes when we couldn't physically make it everywhere else. Um, so things like we brought all the tech teachers together, as many as we could, um, who were allowed to leave their buildings. They had never been brought together. There was one per building. None of them had really ever networked before. So we brought those people together um, and did a little bit of that train the trainer model for when we couldn't physically make it to that many buildings in a year. And I think that's important for anybody who's starting off as a coach, whether you have one building or 175 over here, making sure that your schedule's flexible, making sure that you're hyper-focused. And, and you just said it, like, find one teacher, find two or three teachers. Don't get frustrated if you're not hitting your entire building in the first year. And, and, Correct. And, and that's something that as a, as a coach, even after 10 years, I still get frustrated because I'm not doing what I consider my max potential. Mm -hmm. But for that building, there might only be one or two people that are sitting there going, you know what? I'll give this person a chance. Absolutely. When we're looking at this shift, right? And we're looking at the role that the instructional coach plays in the classroom. What does that look like for you if you've got a hundred something buildings? Is it mostly email tag? I mean, you can't walk into every classroom in every building just to identify that one or two people yeah. that you're going to be working with. Is, is it, I mean, I, I look at coaching as being an entrepreneur. I look at coaching as being <laughs> a marketing. I mean, that's where a lot of my marketing skills came from is if I don't know how to do email, if I don't know how to make conversions, if I don't know how to build relationships, I ain't getting in the classroom. What were some of the secrets to your success? So something that we did when we we had that that high volume, and I think the that the art still does that really helped us out. We had a model called we called it Minute Clinic. Kind of think hmm. of your like CVS Minute Clinic, where you pop in and you go to to a doctor. Um, so what we did with Minute Clinic um, was we would be stationed at a single school for the whole day, and what we would do we would talk to the principal in advance, phone call, email, whatever their preference is, short Zoom, um, and say like, what are some big goals in your building? Do you have a teacher you'd love? Love for me to talk to for whatever reason because they're doing amazing things and you want that spread or is it because they need help kind of one identify a couple key people we'd get to a school um, and we would um, spend maybe about an hour an hour and a half kind of walking through classrooms introducing ourselves we'd send flyers in advance videos in advance hey minute tech minute clinic we're gonna be there bring me your questions pop around, say hello, get that face value so that they knew, hey, this is Alyssa, uh, I'm here, I'm here to help you um, kind of thing. And then we would set ourselves up in a central location, preferably like the teacher's lounge and people would come in and pop in and ask questions to us. Some principals liked it if it was time slots uh, because they really wanted to see some data at the end of the day about 
who came to talk to us. Um, and some were like, I'm going to leave this really open. My teachers are really overwhelmed right now. And I know my community. I know to say, like, sign up for a time slot would put some anxiety and maybe some resistance in them. So I'm going to let them come to you organically. But here's a couple people that if you could get on the ins with, uh, we'd appreciate. And that was kind of a, a way that we started to build some of those relationships in a building, even if we couldn't be there on an every single week, every single month um, kind of consistent basis. It's interesting that you're saying that because what you just said was we go into buildings, we run through classrooms, and then we set ourselves up in the teacher's room. And from even my personal experience in buildings with principals and from you know working with many coaches, sometimes the teacher's room is the last place you want to go because that's the teacher's safe haven they don't want to be marketed to by an instructional coach. Like they want to go eat their lunch. They want to go do their prep without worrying that they're going to get attacked by somebody, especially if you have a hundred and some buildings, a stranger. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that there is no right answer. There is no wrong answer. You really do need to have that building relationship. You need to have that principal relationship to be able to know and, and, and and as an instructional coach, we need to know to ask those questions, right? Like, yeah. can I go into here? Can I go into here? And I always have a policy that if I'm ever in the break room, I don't talk technology. That's where I start saying, hi, how's your family and what's your kids yeah. like? And, I mean, I flip that switch off completely. I'm still marketing. I'm still trying to build, but I'm not talking about light bulbs and I'm not talking about Chromebooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's every school. I think that's like a very big thing, especially working in multi-school. Every school has this kind of its, its own culture, its own flavor. Where are the secret spaces? Where Where's the best place to set up? We would find sometimes if we would set up in the library as the alternative because we weren't somebody who had a home base at that building. Nobody would come to the library because it was out of their way. It wasn't in there. Um, and then when it was everybody's lunch period, yeah, turn it, turn off that kind of switch and like have some chat and, and be like, oh, do you have a prep period this afternoon? I'd love to swing by um, and kind of yep. building those relationships. Coaching, coaching, instructional coaching, tech coaching is a thousand percent. It's relationships. Um, and yeah, it can be very hard when you're when you're multi building um, and you don't know people on a on a personal level, but that customer service piece, that that selling, that marketing, that just pure relationship piece is probably to me the most important aspect of of coaching in general. You have to show them your teacher heart. Uh, I talked about that at ISTE um, in, in June, um, showing coaches showing their kind of their teacher heart in their, whether it be their emails, whether it be your relationships when you're having an in-person conversation, being approachable, being knowledgeable, but ultimately at the end of the day, recognizing we're still teachers too. And that's a really good thing. Well, let's pick up on that. We're just teachers too, because today I really want to focus us on coaches as leaders, coaches becoming leaders. And that's really hard because we are not, I'll say in air quotes, in charge right like our ability to lead only comes from our ability to create relationships one but two the administrator empowering us to be put into those spots because if a teacher sees us as a leader 
we have a better opportunity to then get into the classroom or make those face-to-face opportunities here. In what ways can an administrator leverage instructional coaches as building leaders or in a leadership capacity? I truly, I advocate for administrators to give coaches leadership projects. Uh, Even if it's just a single project, let them own something um, start to finish coaches have such an awesome leadership skill set those relationships they're comfortable with working with kind of everybody in the building no matter their grade level it it kind of um becomes that middle ground and i know for some coaches that middle ground is really tricky to live in where you're not viewed as a teacher anymore but you're not viewed as admin Um, and i didn't mind that middle ground because actually it let me work with both sides, uh, the decision makers and classroom teachers kind of on equal footing ground. So when I went into, um, as a coach, um, I'd be like, hey, leaders, principal, um, let me into this conversation. I think I have something to add here. Like one, advocate for yourself. You know that if there is a discussion about a new, you know, digital curriculum, you should be in that conversation. So advocate for yourself. Say like, I heard there's this, I can make time in my schedule. There's a nice way to do it, but advocate for yourself. Put Get yourself in that room, lead up to that. And then you can kind of, if there's not enough teacher voices in that room, you serve a little bit as a teacher voice to say, hey, I could see where this might be tricky in the classroom or, um, oh, if we do this, let's leave this amount of time for me to be able to go in and support. Like kind of make your own way. That's a lot of how I did did things was kind of making my own way and respectfully inserting myself into those conversations. Um, If a leader is having a difficult time, maybe there's some walkthroughs or evaluations. I know everybody has a different model for for how that looks, Um, but you, principal has expressed maybe some frustration about, um, you know, kind of a gap area. They're like, oh, I can work with that person. Like, let me own that. Um, Or if you have an idea, here's my other advocate. If you have a really great idea, and tech coaches are full of ideas because you, tech coaches are so resourceful, so resourceful because you manage all of these different opinions, all these different ideas. I want to use this. I want to use that. You hear kind of all the pieces. If you have an idea, bring it up. Um, I had an idea a few years ago that our district, our our elementary schools were really struggling to afford STEM equipment because they were all small independent schools. Um, And I thought, well, what if we kind of bought it at the district level and then we lent it out like a library uh, and I found a grant for it and I wrote a grant for it and I got it and I owned that project start to finish. And I would say that would be something that um, the director that I was under really just let me run with because I had an idea. I went to them, say yes, like find ways to get people to just say yes. And if you are a leader listening to this, say yes to people in your building when they have a really great idea and they're willing to own it. What's what is the the risk? What's the harm? So let, let people have really bold, audacious ideas. I think that's some of the best advice that has ever been given on this podcast. Just let the people that have all the energy expend their energy because they're they're only out there trying to do their best. They're only out there trying to advocate for their teachers, their students, their buildings, their principals, etc. These are the people that not only are going into all the classrooms, 
but they're having those personal conversations and they know what's going on. So making sure that you're included in all those leadership conversations, absolutely imperative. You know, we talk about this all the time, Melissa. This is the time of year where coaches, even though they're 10 months, even though they're off, make an appointment have a phone call with your principal. Hey, how you doing? What are your goals? What's the what's the district asking of you? What are some of the things that I could be thinking about? So that way you don't go in, let's say, September 1st, and you don't see your principal or you see your principal, right? Like you don't want to have their first meeting be with principal Bradbury. You want it to be with, hey, Jeff, like, how's the summer been, right? Like yeah. you want to have that personal business relationship rather than just a professional business relationship. One of the things that we also see in a lot of coaches and, and, you know, I'm certainly no exception to this is, is coaching the means to an end, meaning we're going to be coaches or should instructional coaching be a stepping stone for that next chapter? And I guess it all depends on how old you are and like where you are in your career. But um, clearly for you being an instructional coach was a bridge to where you are now. Talk to us a little bit about why that's important and, and, you know, should coaches be using their position to leverage to the next thing? So, yeah, it can, I think it can, it's a both and. So, like, if you had asked me, I, don't, I didn't anticipate ever, um, ever leaving the classroom. Um, and there are people who their entire career is in the classroom, and that is so valuable. Thank you for doing that. There are people who get to be a coach, and they're like, this is my jam. Like, I love, love what I do. Um, and they stay right there. And that's great. Thank you for being that coach, that strong coach in that building. And then I hit a point where I loved what I did as a coach, but I found myself more and more drawn to the conversations that I was having with leadership, those summer conversations of what are the goals? And then I kind of had this light bulb moment that said, I want to make those goals. I want to be part of the team that makes those goals. I don't want to be handed down goals. And it's fine. That doesn't make it bad. It didn't mean those goals were bad or there wasn't value to that. But I, I really ha started to shift from this mindset of helping to achieve goals, um, finding those pain points, et cetera, and solving them to really having this strong desire to be um, in the room where it happens. I'm going to steal a Hamilton line here. Being in the room where it happened mm -hmm. on a consistent basis, that I wasn't fighting to get in, that I was just naturally a part of that conversation because I was stepping up as a leader. So uh, that included me uh, going back to school, um, which I graduated with my MED in leadership in uh, 2020. Uh, never had a graduation, took some graduation photos outside of my my house there, but I was really happy. It was a kind of a bucket list thing for me that took me a while and um, I thought I was gonna enter it and then started a family instead and was really proud of myself for going back to, to do that um, and earned a principal certification, though I did not take a principal role. Um, for me, it was kind of like, if I'm doing all this work, I might as well get this certification too and see see what path it le leads open for me. Um, I didn't know at that point whether I was only going to apply for kind of tech director or uh, positions or if I was going to look kind of more at assistant principal or principal positions. I wasn't quite sure uh, where I was. And, and that's where I think for me, looking at the mission of a school, looking at the mission of the position itself started to weigh um, really heavily on, on my heart, but it really stemmed from 
real that realization of I want to implement big ideas and I want to be in the room where those decisions get made. Um, and I want to be a decision maker on those and not just a consulting voice. Um, so I, I hit that kind of wall and that's what led me to look kind of look beyond. Um, and I didn't know that I was ever going to really have that, that epiphany. And, you know, Alyssa, listening to you, I think one of the thing that one of the things that we can take out of that is there is no pathway to do this. There's many, many pathways. I mean, for myself, I, I got an administrative certificate in New Jersey, never used it. Now I'm up here. I finished off my admin cert. And, and you know, if you want to be a tech director, you need to have a principal cert. I know that sounds kind of weird if you're not at that point in your career, but I don't want to be a principal. But now I have a technically two principal certs. You need to have those upper degrees. It's yeah. also nice to be able to have that knowledge of buildings and facilities and, and you know, curriculum development, like all of those, that well-roundedness. So that way, when you are working with your administrators, you, you, know, uh, you don't have the handshake yet, but you can at least start to talk at the same altitude. Yes, and that's, and I, that's a big piece talking I, at that same altitude. Is and I've happening? noticed that even for myself, of you know, as soon as you say to somebody, "Oh, I've also got my O92," then they go, "Oh, okay." And and now they're not eye to eye with you, yep. but they're somewhere in the middle of all of that stuff. And and that that that's important. Like that stuff gets you into those conversations where, in the, you know, in the room where it happens. And I think, too, we see a really big shift in what a tech director means. Like, historically, if you look at things from, uh, like, the 80s and the 90s, it was a lot of break and fix and, you know, like, phone systems or things like that. And and throughout the 2000s and the 2010s and, and now into the 2020s, what it means to be a tech director has really changed a lot from just kind of that break and fix to infrastructure like advanced infrastructure but now you know really especially coming out of that pandemic um being an expert in kind of um digital systems for virtual instruction being a stem expert or having having the knowledge base in there esports coordinator we were just talking about uh i was talking with a colleague of mine about how like esports has now become something in in a lot of tech directors portfolios um you sometimes you have to be a coach or a teacher support so you have to understand those curriculums you have to understand what kind of subscriptions teachers need and are valuable so it the the kind of the whole structure of the tech department is, is kind of changing. And I think that's where tech coaches bring a lot of value. So yes, I don't shy away from, I am not a, a network infrastructure person. I know great people who do that. They are on my team. I can build capacity for them to own those projects. I can be that check marker on those. But what I bring that came from my tech coaching side is all of the knowledge of how to work with teachers, the teacher barriers to curriculum or implementing technology systems. I understand STEM and work teaching in a virtual environment. Those are all such critical skills that are really unique to coaches. Um, and I think that's why we see some of these tech director positions shifting from just boxes and wires to boxes, wires, curriculum. When we're looking at all this stuff here, 
you had mentioned like making this switch is important here. Um, if you're an instructional coach and you're looking to learn all of these things, what avenues can you take? I know a lot of it's mentorship. I know a lot of it's hands-on training. A lot of it is just, you got to get in there and, you know, kind of like you were mentioning, I don't know anything about wires and uh, Wi-Fi. I have a team. I'm going to ask them a ton of questions. For myself, people have recommended what's called the CETL certification, C-E-T-L, which basically is I, the only way I would explain it is it's like the tech director certification, the way we would do like Google level one training or something mm -hmm. like that. It's like a $500 test, but you really do come out of the program knowing a whole bunch of stuff. I'll make sure that there's links in our show notes here under podcast 202. Where can somebody go to kind of learn this stuff on the side if they find that their administration isn't in that mentoring um, ability or capabilities for them? So that's a great question. And that's a certification that's new to me as well. Uh, so thanks for linking that in the show notes because I am also going to use that link. Um, I did a lot of training with like Google Admin Console knowing I was coming from a Google environment, going to a Google environment, but a lot of those skills were going to be kind of um, on my plate to manage um, that organizational unit. Um, Coursera courses, it sounds crazy, but like Coursera courses and YouTube have been a big go-to for mine uh, for years. And I've always partnered that with mentorship. And you mentioned that um, asking asking a ton of questions, um, working with anybody that I can, networking at conferences, making local connections. And I think that's something that I've learned is really, really tricky. Um, when I went from a coaching team where there were three of us who were working kind of at that that uh, district level, at that high level, you had each other to kind of bounce ideas off of. I moved to a building where it is, it's me, hi. <laughs> so um, though I have those leadership conversations, I have to be very intentional about making connections with local, other local tech directors. What are you butting up against? What challenges do you have? Because there's not a lot of centralized, I think, kind of connections for those. Um, in the state of Pennsylvania, like we have some professional organizations, but not anything that kind of meets regularly or things like that to kind of build those capacities. So one, I like Christo Ray schools are a network of schools uh, throughout the country. Uh, I literally just blind emailed every tech director I could uh, to help make some of those connections. So um, that mentorship piece, whether it's internal in your building or outside of it. And when I talk to my IT team a lot, um, they say, we, we don't need you to be a technician. We don't need you to be a technician. That's that's what we get paid to do. Um, and then when I worked at the district level for the, the arch, it was the same thing. There was a, a senior networking team. Um, and so I was really fortunate. I, I didn't have to be that person and they didn't need me to be that person. What they needed me to be was a good leader. Um, and so that has been the big focus of mine. So not just using things like Coursera or getting certifications that are more technically focused, but also really working on developing my my leadership skills through again networking through great professional reads um, in kind of all areas of tech or educational leadership um, and, and conferences. That's, that's a big piece of what I filled my, my personal professional development bucket with um, 
out at ISTE and out at conferences is kind of growing that leadership capacity within myself so I can continue to be the leader that they need me to be because that's what they need first and foremost of me. I, I think that's insanely valuable. You don't need to know everything about everything. And I will tell you that being from New Jersey primarily, the top role was called tech director and you're the IT person. And for a long time, I was always looking at this going, I could never be that because I'm not the IT guy and all school districts are hiring these days are the IT guys. The problem that I always ran into is the IT guys weren't thinking curricular because they're the ones with the corporate backgrounds that are getting into education. And I'm very happy and fortunate and thankful that more and more school districts are hiring people with ed T backgrounds or curricular focused. And you're right. All you have to do is have some leadership skills and be able to project manage and 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 be able to work within a group. And, and really, it's those leadership skills that are important. And the way you start those leadership skills, the way you start to build those leadership skills is working with teachers in the classroom, learning how to work with people who you don't have direct uh, authority isn't the right word, but, you know, direct uh, uh, decision making over top of. Mm -hmm. But having the ability to support and to work and and be seen as a leader and make those things happen and and working with your principals to get those goals done. Where do you see your future? Where do you see the future of of, of your district? Where, like, what do you see in educational here over, over the next couple of years? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> that is a tough question. Where do I see myself? I never know because I never thought I'd be I'd be here. Um, I really love the program that we're growing within uh, my building. Um, we're really piloting. I have some student workers. I'm really fortunate in that work study model that I get some. So we're really um, building up our student led tech team to do in-house repairs, get the Microsoft certifications and all those kind of stepping zones that I hope that uh, will help to lead to their successful careers. Um, in the technology industry and really empowering um, women in tech too. Um, I would say that like, I would love to see uh, when I go to conferences or network, um, I hope in education, I start to see more leader, female leaders in tech. Sometimes I am the only one in a room or I am one of two, um, especially in that technology kind of focused bubble. Yeah. Um, and I would love to see that grow. I hope that that is growing. I hope that um, there's a growth um, in, in kind of the diversity of leadership positions in schools and districts nationally. So I, you know, that I think that's a big piece of kind of growing and, and chatting and having these conversations because I am truly an unlikely tech director and I'm uh, from my background and being a woman in tech and all of those kind of things. Um, I do have a lot of times where I have to kind of position myself as a knowledgeable authority in a room, particularly on the vendor side. And we didn't touch on that today, but like mm -hmm. the whole deal of dealing with vendors, uh, which is something that tech coaches don't typically do uh, really directly is something that's newer to me and making sure that I am uh, assertive in those conversations and are taken seriously the same way I wanna be taken seriously by the other leaders in my building. Um, I see, so much STEM 
really moving out and, and people really thinking about how do we empower kids to be thoughtful content creators, social justice minded. Um, and I, I hope that those conversations and, and that really overlaps with digital literacy and digital citizenship. I hope that makes um, just bigger and bigger conversations in school communities where digital literacy and digi digital citizenship isn't that like couple times a year taught curriculum lesson. Um, and I know for, and we've, we've all done it because we've had to do it. Like that's just the way it was built in. But, um, you know, that becomes a more pervasive conversation. So that way our, our students, our future students are leaving K-12 education as informed citizens. They are um, mindful about what they do online. They can create wonderful things. They have these analytical thoughts and the desire to learn themselves. Um, so, I mean, I kind of get geek out about those sort of all those big picture things that I don't have answers to, but it's all the stuff I hope to to see come out of our our future students. Well, Alyssa, I certainly hope you uh, welcome yourself back onto a future show. I love geeking out about those topics, <laughs> and every single thing that you just mentioned could easily turn into an hour conversation. Yes. Um, <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I, I and look, we can go on for a long time about this, and I and it certainly opens up a lot more questions for our listeners, and certainly opens up topics for myself. Um, I have invited Alyssa into our instructional coaches Facebook group, and you know, if you're out there, check out everything over on askthetechcoach.com. Join our instructional Facebook group. We have over 650 right now instructional coaches and growing rapidly. We're going to be continuing to do our summer series. And then even into the year, we're going to be doing, a, I'll call it a live show, but you know, we're going to be getting coaches meetings together a couple times a month on random topics, on technology topics, on how to do topics. Um, we are here to support you guys and we are bringing you guys the best instructional coaching podcast podcast that we can and it is certainly made possible by questions like yours that is why we call this ask the tech coach if you have any questions please reach out to us you can certainly do that over at askthetechcoach.com and we would love to say thank you guys for listening Alyssa, any parting words as we kind of round into august here and get into that new school year some of us are starting new jobs some of us are in our jobs for the second year our fourth year what advice do you have for the instructional technology coaching landscape for 22 23 Oh, big picture. Um, I would say, especially if you are a new tech coach, one, don't be afraid to ask questions, even if they sound ridiculous, especially if you're in a new school or district. I think I spent in the beginning a little bit of time very hesitant to just ask a lot of questions. Ask why a million times. Um, I'd be in a conversation and I'd ask why they do something. They'd give me an answer and I'd say, okay, why? And we would do, I would do like four or five rounds of okay, why to get to the real heart of the issue. Um, so don't be afraid to ask why, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Um, I think that's a big piece of relationship building. Don't be afraid to share things with people in your building. Um, even my million, send them, a, send, you know, a team email or whatever the case may be is how, however you're choosing to, um, push out content. Don't be afraid to push out content. I think I spent a lot of time early in my career being afraid of being um, labeled as annoying or pushy. Um, actually, it's kind of my job to be a little bit pushy and, and bump in. So lean into those and know that you're actually, you're being helpful. Um, don't let that self-doubt creep in. 
Well, there's a couple shows right there that we could have you come in on. Uh, I, I, well, one of the topics that I, I love doing and would love to continue doing is the, am I creating content for you or for myself, just so I can continue working? And <laughs> we, we've had those conversations a lot yeah. on this show. Like, yeah. you know, and we talk about newsletters a lot on this show. So yeah. keep those questions coming. Alyssa, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to come on. I'm glad that you had a great time at ISTE, and I hope we certainly bump into each other as we go through this year. This door is always open. Please feel free to come back on the show, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks so much for having me. This has been so fun. Thanks, Jeff. And that wraps up this episode of Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 202. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach. Don't forget to check out all of our live events. You can join our free Facebook group. There are almost 700 people. See, it just grew by 50 people in the last two or three minutes. In that Facebook group, we are here for each other to help each other, and we are here to help you guys. My name is Jeff Bradbury. On behalf of Alyssa and my co-host Sue and everybody here at TeacherCast, keep up the great work in your classroom and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.